Did you hear what that guy said? One of the last statements. One guy said, "That's one of the worst attitude I've ever, uh, one of the worst attitudes I've ever seen." And then the other guy said, "Attitude reflects what do you say? Leadership. Attitude reflects leadership." Let me put my little toys right there. Okay, so we've been talking about attitude for this is almost a month. We're just about to polish it off, you know, uh, as far as things that will affect us. Because I'm telling you, attitude is everything. It will dynamically impact your life, physically, health, financially, relational, and in your relationship with God as well. Dynamically. really does, you know. But I like what he said there. He said, attitude reflects leadership, Captain. He was saying, you're not doing such a good job, so my attitude's not so good. But now, does our attitude reflect our leader, whose name's Jesus? Does our attitude reflect him? Attitude reflects leadership. Or who does our attitude really reflect? Who is really our leader? Think about it for a moment. Uh, when our granddaughter was four, she came to the table one day in a disgruntled mood. Y'all probably never did that. She complained loudly about every dish on the table. And hoping to change the mood, her mother suggested that she ask the blessing. After a sullen pause, she prayed, Oh, God, I forgive you for this food. Amen. You ever have an attitude like that? Think about it for a moment. Toward God, you don't really like what he's up to? Think about that. Well, uh, let me just say, again, I forgot to mention, thank you for all the folks who have been helping out at our, our Vacation Bible Adventure. This building is, is becoming transformed. It's not quite there yet, but it's becoming transformed. In another week it will be, but the greatest transformation will be the hundreds of kids who come and who will come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So thank you all who have been serving behind the scenes, you know, in front of the scenes, you know, in every capacity that you have helped out. Thank you. And it's not over with yet. And as uh, James was saying, it's not too late to sign up and get involved. And we got a lot of people who are signed up, you know, but it's not too late. If you'd like to get involved and help us out, you know, and touch some lives, and it'll be the greatest thing you've ever done if you've never done it. It's like, this is worth my time when you impact these kids this way. Okay, so hopefully you all have a good attitude about VBA, right? Ephesians, let me give you a little bit of a review. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. There must be. We've been reading that for four weeks now. There must be a spiritual renewal of your thoughts and attitudes. Because, see, our attitude does reflect our leader. His name is Jesus. Is your attitude genuinely reflecting him? When you study the be attitudes in the, the New Testament, it's the attitudes that should be in a believer's life. Because our attitude should reflect our leader, to be honest with you. First Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ. 
And that's the men and the women who want it. If you want to have the mind of Christ, you'll have it. You'll discipline yourself and you'll, you'll begin to think the way he does. And you're taking what he says in his word to heart. You take it as truth. You apply it to your own life. Philippians 4.8 says, And now, dear friends, let me say one more thing as I close this letter. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. That's the things we talked about already that are positive and constructive. Don't think about the things that are negative and are destructive, but think on the things that are admirable, that are positive and constructive. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, And we, we talked about this, and, and as we're about to kind of wind this thing down, I want this to stay with us for the rest of our life. It's, it's our thoughts, your thoughts, shape your attitude. What you think about will shape your attitude, and your attitude will determine your altitude spiritually, physically, you know, talking about health-wise, financially, wealth-wise, and relationally with other people. And, 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 and uh, your altitude can go as high as you want it. You can have the best of health. You can have the, the, the best of wealth. You can have the best of relationships if you maintain an awesome attitude. Attitude is everything. And you can go, well, I got problems and all, but it has nothing to do with my attitude. Oh, yes, it does. Well, it didn't create my problems. Well, it may not have, but a good attitude will get you out of them. Because God's blessings flows down on that. That's just the way it is. It really is. Uh, if you prove, improve your attitude, you will improve your life. That That is... Amazing when you think of that. So, well, how hard would it be to improve my attitude? Because that's your, your choice. Whether you got a good attitude or a bad, or a positive or a negative, that's your choice. You improve your attitude, you'll improve your life health-wise, wealth-wise, relationally with uh, husbands, wives, children, neighbors, boss employees. You'll improve your relationship with Almighty God. Attitude is everything. Genuinely, yes. Joyce uh, Wright, she said this about her husband. She said, sometimes Norm, he can be so positive and enthusiastic about whatever he's doing that it disturbs me. This is the wife saying, he's so positive it disturbs me. I mean, that's pretty, pretty amazing. She said, I wonder if he's walking in the same world that I am. He acts so much different. Once we were out fishing in a mountain lake and we hadn't caught a thing and Norm had rowed our boat to five or six different spots looking for fish to bite. Finally, after about three hours, he got this great big grin on his face and said, now we can really start fishing because we know where the fish aren't at. <laughs> That's a good attitude. I have seen people breaking their rods and reels and stomping and cussing and fussing because the fish weren't biting. Now, you think that's going to help? Not at all. Not at all, you know. Um, George McDonald said, if I can put one thought of rosy sunset into the life of any man or woman, I shall feel that I have worked with God. 
You ever feel like you've worked with God to touch another life, to put a smile on their face, to put a joy in their heart? Have you ever worked with God to touch another life? Think about it for a moment. That really transforms things in us. Now, last week, you remember, I talked about success is found in... Say it out loud. Cans. I can do all things through Christ who sends me. Failure is found in what? Can'ts or cannots. So I can, and we talked about this, and I hope that you will remember this for the rest of your life. Every time you go to your cupboard and you pull out a can of any kind, you go, I can do all things through Christ. Success is found in cans, you know. Failure is found in, I can't do that, you know. It's all about attitude. That's not fact. That's not fact. Well, I can't. No. You know what? In all the counseling I've done in, I don't know, 45 years, you know what I found out? 100% true when it says, a person says, well, I can't do that, Pastor Ron. You know what they mean? I won't do it. It's not that they can't, but they won't do it. That's what it is. I'm telling you the truth of it. Okay. That was in Philippians 4.13, if you're taking notes. This is just our review, okay, that I can do everything with the help of Christ who gives me the strength I need. And then Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 5, this is where our, our, our weekly challenge came from last week. And it says, your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. And you remember what I asked you to do? Ask yourself that question. What's those four letters? WWJD. Well, what would Jesus do? His attitude, well, what would Jesus do? And then do it regardless of consequences. That's pretty, that's pretty scary. Well, if I'm convinced that Jesus would do this, I'm going to do that regardless of the consequences. You say, well, that's having the attitude of Jesus. And it says your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. So hopefully you've been asking that question of yourself all week long. Because many of you raised your hand and checked it off and dropped it in the, the box over there. I looked at them. Well, going to 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, it says, Those who say they live in God, they have a relationship with God, they live in a relationship with God, those who say they live in God, in a relationship with God, should live their lives as Christ did. So it's the right thing to do to say, well, what would Jesus do? Anytime you're in a pickle, in a situation when you don't know, you just ask yourself, well, well what would Jesus do here? And to the best of your ability, do it. And you're not going to know what Jesus would do if you don't get familiar with this book. That's just the truth of it, you know. Now, one of God's faithful missionaries, his name was Alan Gardner, he experienced many physical difficulties and hardships throughout his service, you know, on the mission field uh, to the Savior. And despite his troubles, he said, while God gives me strength, failure will not take hold of me. In 1851, at the age of 57, he died while serving on Picton Island at the southern tip of South America. When his body was found, his diary lay nearby. It bore the record of hunger and thirst, wounds, and loneliness. 
The last entry in his little book showed the struggle of his shaking hand as he tried to write legibly, and it read, I am overwhelmed with a sense of God's presence and the goodness of God. Think about that for a moment. If you have been sick and wounded and had all these kinds of crazy things, could you possibly say I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God, with the presence of Almighty God, not grumbling about circumstances? This is a missionary who actually gave his life on the mission field, but he had such an attitude that was absolutely astounding. And he gave his life to bring the gospel to a tribes of people who just didn't have it. He willingly gave his life, and he wasn't fussing and grumbling and complaining about it. He gave it willingly. Now, there's a great saying. I just came across this this past week. I like it. There's a great saying among the Australians. She'll be right, mate. She'll be right, mate. It means that things are probably going to work out all right, and we need not worry so much about them. You ever heard that term? No worries, mate. <laughs> well, I hope you appreciate this. I just found it. It's kind of a tune that gets in your mind. You can't get rid of it. And I hope that's okay with you. I'm going to play just about 60 seconds of a little song based upon this concept. This is by some real Australian people. So do we have that? Okay. Now all you Aussie battlers, when you feel you've had enough And life's not really going well, and life is pretty rough Just get out there and try again and back yourself a first The Aussies always do their best when things are at their worst Cause she'll be right, thanks, or she'll be right Just remember that you're an Aussie and you'll never give up the fight When your back's to the wall, just give your all It's morning, noon and night, she'll be right She'll be right once again. Now she'll be right, mate. Or oh, she'll be right. Just remember that you're an Aussie and you'll never give up the fight. When your back's to the wall, just give your all. It's morning, noon, and night. She'll be right, mate. Or oh, she'll be right. That's right. Okay. She'll be right, mate. She'll be right. So, um,. These are words that the Australian folks live by. Let me just, as I did a little research on Wikipedia and looked all around, I found a couple of quips and quotes and articles, and it says, your dog just got sick. She'll be right, mate. It's a sympathetic response of your Australian friend. Climate change is upon us. The whole country has endured over a decade of drought. She'll be right, mate, replies an Aussie as they seem to shrug off an evidential problem. You're hiking. You get terribly off trail. The sun is going down. You fall into a pit of poisonous snakes. She'll be right, mate, your Aussie friends say, shifting from one foot to the other as they ponder what on earth to do. As characteristically Australian genes, it's in their genes, she'll be right, mate. It's built into every Aussie vocabulary from the womb. 
It literally and figuratively sums up a way of thinking and a way of living in Australia. She'll be right, mate. Although at first blush, the flippant response of she'll be right, mate, may appear to casually ignore the severity of a situation, it's not intended to do so. Instead, it is an expression of support and a general acknowledgement that things tend to work out for the best. And in the most basic and crude form, it is simply something to say when you are perplexed by a problem you can't solve. World peace? She'll be right, mate. Financial meltdown? She'll be right, mate. Lost your job? Your house, your wife, your money? She'll be right, mate. And if you still think it's an irresponsible or flippant expression, try saying it yourself. But when you say it, you have to say it with an Australian accent. Dare we try that here? She'll be right, mate with as much Australian accent as you have, okay? Let's try it on the count of three. One, two, three. She'll be right, mate. And another one that I like is, no worries. But now see, this, I mean, I, I, I actually like it. I really like the concept. She'll be right, mate. No worries. Or how would we say here in the States? No sweat, you know. And I like it, but there's something even better. Something a whole lot better than that. I was found my very favorite verse in the Bible, found in Romans 8, 28. And I know you can probably quote it backwards. That's all right. But let me just read it to you. It says in Romans 8, 28, and see, this passage has transformed my attitude. Transforms me. I never get tired of reading it or hearing it or quoting it or singing it. It says, and we know. And we, what's that word? And we know. Not like, well, I hope so. No, we know. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those, here's some qualifiers, who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. They're not just seeking their own purpose, their own selfish will, but they're genuinely seeking the purpose of God and they love him. And it says that we know it's all going to work together for good. She'll be right, mate. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. But it's not near as good as Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good, for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Life is a grindstone. Have you ever felt like life is grinding you down? Life is a grindstone. Whether it grinds you down or polishes you up depends on your attitude. So make a good choice. Your attitude will determine whether the things that happen to us all will grind you down or your attitude will determine whether it just polishes you, like when you go to a jeweler and they polish that beautiful ring and it's shiny and it glistens. It can grind it away. So what's your choice? What's your attitude? 
Are you allowing life to grind you down? Or are you allowing life to polish you up? Think about it. If you can smile when everything's going wrong, chances are you're a plumber working on Sunday for double wages. Yeah. You think a plumber minds when your pipes break? Oh, I can pay my bills this week. Is there any positive thing about problems happening in your life? Is it any good? Sure ain't convincing me of it. Is there anything positive could come from a trouble in your household? Yes. And if you look for them, you will see it. And you will see that the, uh, the grindstone of life is like polishing us up instead of grinding us down. Remember in the Old Testament, Joseph, whose brother sold him into slavery? They were going to kill him first. And then later on, years later, when he became second in command to the Pharaoh and his brothers came because they were starving and they didn't know who he was and finally he revealed himself to them and they were fearful that he was going to kill them. And he says, the things you did to me, the things you did to me, I mean, the, the, the devil used that for evil, you know? Things you did to me. You meant it for evil. And there, there's things that people do to us all. They mean evil by it, don't they? But Joseph says, but God meant it for good that I would save many lives. And it's all based upon a man or a woman's attitude. Whether God can turn that thing around and work it together for good, even though someone meant it for evil. Or God can turn that thing around, work it for good, or you just suffer the consequences of it and you let it grind you down. It's all about your attitude. Your attitude. Nobody else's, but it's your attitude that will determine that. Now, Psalms 23, verse 6. Then we talked about it just a wee bit last week. It says, Surely your goodness and your unfailing love, which is mercy, surely your goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Now, I'm just going to ask you a question. Honest to goodness, do you believe the goodness of God is following you and his mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And his goodness is giving you all the stuff you don't deserve. Do you believe, and let's just take it from this point on, do you believe when you leave here tonight that the goodness of God and his mercy will follow you? Until the day you see him face to face, do you believe that? I do believe that. It is absolutely true no doubt about it. Now, let me see here. <laughs> oh, wow. Whew, man. These are fresh. Some people, all they see is a hole. Something's missing here. 
And a lot of people don't see the good that's there. It has to do with their attitude. Now, maybe not for donut, but a lot of other things in life. Their attitude is drawn toward the negative. And I need a volunteer. Just one volunteer. First one up here. I just need a volunteer. Don't be bashful. Come on, I need a volunteer. They're so kind. This here is your box of donuts. That's it. Give him a hand. Now, he had a good attitude. And you did too, so he might give you one or something or another. But you think about this. Some folks' attitude, it, it tends to focus on the whole. Does your attitude tend to focus on the whole? Instead of the donut, do you have a tendency to, to find the negative in anything and everything? Why would anyone focus on the whole? Look at that. I paid for that, and it's missing some right there. And you know it's missing because you can go buy the donut holes. You know, you're like, they took that out of here. You know? Think about it for a moment. Now, how many of you uh, got a rubber band when you came in tonight? Okay. Did you? Did you put it on your wrist yet? And there's some of them Tony showed me because we had some that I was wondering how we're going to use them because they were way too big. And, and Tony showed me how to deal with those. Where'd it go? Let me see. Maybe it's still here. Oh, I dropped it somewhere. That's okay. I can improvise and make one myself. Oh, there it is in my hand the whole time. He tied a knot in it. So that works. Or you can double it up if you got one of the bigger ones. Or you can go and buy your own rubber band if you want to. Because I'm going to ask you something that's really tough to do. I'm going to ask a commitment from you. You see I got my rubber band on? Can you see that? Everybody got rubber bands on? Okay, well, put your rubber band on if you want to. If you got a bad attitude, you don't have to put it on, okay? This will help you. You didn't get a rubber band? Tony, would you give him about five or six rubber bands? Thank you. Okay. Now, what I want to encourage you to do, and just help me out here for a moment, okay? Just help me out. Do you ever, do you ever, I mean, maybe not a lot, maybe just a kid, do you ever have a negative thought? Just raise your hand if you do, okay? Do you ever act out a negative thought? Do you ever give a negative word? How would you like to be totally delivered from that? To where your attitude and your mind, your thoughts was Christ-like. Okay, I'm going to tell you, we can do this. All right? Now I'm going to ask you to wear this rubber band, and if it breaks, get you a new one. Come and see us. We'll give you another one. You know? What I'm going to ask you to do every time you have a negative thought or action or word, everybody, look, pull that rubber band out like that. And then turn loose of it. Ow! Now you think I'm teasing you, but I'm not. If you want to change your attitude, because we have we have no correction. We have nothing to remember by. 
If you have a bad thought, somebody, and, and you, they don't even know what it is, but you just had a negative thought, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you something. I've done this a few times already, and it hurts. And I can quit anytime I want to. And you can too. You've got a quitter's attitude. Well, go ahead. I don't think you will. 21 days. If you will join me in this for 21 days, every time you have a negative thought or you, you're going to say a negative word, it'll take you a day or two, but after a while you're going to like, no way. That hurts. In 21 days you will stop allowing negative thoughts take up real estate in your mind. In 21 days you will not have negative words or negative actions. Think we can do that together? So, you don't have to, but if you, and, and you guys watching online, we will challenge you to get your own rubber band. Write us and let us know. Email us. Let us know how it's going. What happened? Is it working for you? But how many of you right now says, I'll try the experiment with the rubber band? Just raise your hand. Okay, awesome. It will help you if you're prone to being negative. Oh, you know, some of you, I'm going to see during the week, your arm's going to be so red. <laughs> I'm going to say, are you doing okay? You need some prayer? You know? Mine's pretty red, too, right now. And some of it, it won't. But uh, I think it's a little bitty thing when we start to go negative in our thoughts. So I'm talking about thoughts or actions. Nobody else even knows. You're just sitting there and you're going... I might hear it while I'm preaching. You're sitting there and you're going like, you're thinking, he's going too long tonight. <laughs> Snap yourself, okay? All right. I'm going to quit. I mean, I got, a, I got one of the big rubber bands. That thing, ooh, look at my arm there. Wow. Man. So, I think God will help us out with this thing. I really, I really, really, really do. Well, let me share a few statements as I read a few scriptures here tonight. According to this article, it says, There is no such thing as bad weather. There are just different kinds of good weather. How many of you think snow is bad weather? Just be honest with me. Am I going to have to snap myself if I do that? How many of you love skiing? See, now, see, some people think, that's just awesome. We get to go skiing or sledding. They consider that good weather. Some people consider that bad weather. So think about this, how it relates to you. There's no such thing as bad weather. There are just different kinds of good weather. And if you want to spoil the day of a chronic grouch, you know any, thank you, you know, you know any chronic grouches, people who are really grouchy? You want to spoil their day? When you see him, just smile at him. That spoils the day of a chronic grouch. It really does. Well, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Don't worry about anything. Now, I know we've heard this passage. You can quote the passage. It's such a uh, relevant passage to us. But I'm telling you, worry adversely affects your attitude. When you're worrying about something, you know, you're thinking negative thoughts. You're thinking something bad's going to happen. You know, snap yourself, you know. But that's what's going on. 
it adversely affects your attitude when you worry. And the Bible says, don't do it. You know, it's just natural. Exactly. But what we're wanting to operate in is in the supernatural. Though he was president of the United States during a very difficult, during very difficult years, we talked a little bit about him last week, but differently, Franklin Roosevelt never seemed to worry. The exuberance he displayed in public was really a part of his private personality. Once he was asked if he ever worried, and he replied by referring to his battle with polio, a battle that had left him a cripple. If you have ever spent two years in bed trying to wiggle your toe, after that, anything would seem easy. Two years, not his foot, but just one toe. He said anything after that would be easy. He didn't worry about a lot. And I said, you know what? We don't have to go through what he went through, do we? Do we have to go through all the troubles that he went through and, and live in a wheelchair to learn about attitudes? We can speed it up in 21 days. And I believe it'll help us change our attitude. It's like, you know what? That ain't that big of a do. That ain't that, I ain't going to say, I ain't going to think that, you know? It ain't worth it. Because a little bit of pain that we inflict upon ourselves. But it says here, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry, but pray. Tell God what you need. And then here it comes, very important. Thank him for all that he has done. See, prayer affects your attitude. Worry affects your attitude adversely. But prayer affects your attitude in a very positive, life-changing, powerful kind of a way, you know. David, you know, in the, in the Old Testament there, he was a prayer, and he was also a praiser. He really was. David was a prayer warrior, man. And he was a praiser, and he was also a, uh, a giant slayer. Because prayer and praise change his attitude. And if you become a prayer and a praiser, it'll change your attitude. Listen to what he says. Don't worry about anything. There's nothing that will ever have happen in your life that justifies you worrying about. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And that just means tell God what you need and then thank him for all that he has done. See, the attitude of gratitude, it attracts the blessings of Almighty God. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, if you do this, don't worry, but pray and thank him. If you do this, and you got to understand something. You can't do it reluctantly. Okay, ain't going to worry. I'm going to pray. God help me. I'm going to thank him for all. Thanks. You can't do it reluctantly. It don't work that way. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need, and then thank him for all that he has done. See, easy things become difficult 
when you do them with reluctance, when you do it unwillingly. You ever tell your kid, now you, you tell them thank you. I said, tell them thank you. Thank you. Is that real? It's reluctant. It's unwilling. It don't do nothing. Nothing good. So we got to understand that when it says don't worry about anything, said pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done, this is talking about doing it willingly, you know, because you're genuinely grateful. You're thankful for what all he has done. And he goes on to say, if you do this, you will experience God's peace. And the word peace includes wholeness, body, soul, and spirit. It includes the word healing in there. If you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry. Well, there was a fellow I read about many years ago, and he was taken off in an airplane, just a little small airplane, one or two passenger airplane, you know. Got in this airplane, he cranked it up, everything did his checklist, everything was fine. Took off, flying up there. I don't know how many hundreds or thousands of feet he was up there. And then he heard something, a distinct noise in his plane. It was the sound of a rodent gnawing on something. Now he's got all kinds of cables and wires that go under the cockpit there. He goes all around back there, and he heard something gnawing. That can't possibly be good when you're hundreds, thousands of feet in the air. And then he remembered something that he had heard in a science class about certain rodents could not live at certain altitudes. So what he did, he's thinking this, this rat, whatever's in here, is gnawing on one of his control cables that's controlling, you know, something that keeps him aflight. So he just pointed the nose up and he began to climb and 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 climb higher and higher and higher. And all the knowing stopped. He went on about his business. He had no choice to. And then later on that day when he landed, he searched the plane all over and found a rat, a big old rat that was snuck up, up in his plane somehow or another that was dead. Think about this for a moment. Attitude determines your altitude. I can tell you worry is like a rat and it will gnaw at you and gnaw at you and what it's doing is you're believing something bad's going to happen. Worry is you're believing the negative instead of the positive and if you worry what should you do? And then pray. I'm telling you, because that rodent could not live at that altitude, and our attitude determines our altitude. And we want to gain altitude and get closer to God and be healthier and wealthier and positive relationships with those that we love. And if you and I will have a good attitude, it's going to kill the rats. The rats of darkness that are gnawing away, trying to do us damage. 
So I like the idea of killing the rats as knowing the controls in your cockpit. Well, you can go out of control. You're no longer in control of you anymore, you know. Um, oh, yes. This is interesting. The attitude of gratitude, that's what we were just talking about. Don't worry, but pray and then thank him. Thanking him is, is gratitude, you know. The attitude of gratitude, it always brings peace. And gratitude or thankfulness will always cause you to gain altitude. It'll cause you to gain altitude physically, health-wise, financially, relationally-wise, and in your relationship with God. <coughs> gratitude. So what I want to do, I'm going to give you something else. Not only a rubber band, I'm going to give you something else to take home. You're not going to get it until you leave. Our ushers will be at the doors. And let's see, do I have it with me? Oh, here it is. They're going to give you a notebook, just like this. It's your notebook. You can do anything you want to with it. You don't have to give it back. This is your notebook. But what I want you to do with this notebook, every day, not for 21 days, but until you fill it up, I want you to take five minutes, not even that if you can do it shorter period of time, Every day before you go to bed, I'd like you to write what you have to be thankful for. That's all. You know, just write down, hey, I'm thankful for my family. We had a beautiful, sunshiny day. I'm thankful for this. Don't matter what you have to be thankful for. It is a proven fact. The men and the women who will write down consistently every day of their life, they'll write down just in a couple of minutes, what they had to be thankful for, it, it impacts their life. They'll enjoy life much better than if their salary was doubled. Now, that's the terms. That you will be healthier physically and just any and everything you can possibly imagine that is good will happen to the man or the woman that does not let a day pass without jotting down just a few things that they're thankful for. You willing to give it a try? All four of you. I appreciate that. <laughs> but that's the four who you're going to do better. Whatever you're facing, it's going to get better. Physically, financially, and the experts who are not even believers would say, if you become thankful you genuinely will do better and enjoy life more than if you had had a double in your salary. Imagine what a double of your salary would do for you right now. Like, that'd be cool. And said, okay. Well, I'm willing to give it a try. It's a small investment. And if I'm writing down what I have to be thankful for and I'm, you know, dealing with this negative stuff, you know, I, you can start off with like, I'll be thankful when this 21 days is over, you know. <laughs> Man, look at my arm there. Wow. I'm, I'm going to work. I got to preach this message two more times tomorrow. Whoa. I'll put it on the other arm. See, I, what, I am thankful for two arms. Okay. Let's see here.
uh, cheerfulness. The attitude of gratitude produces cheerfulness. When you're really thankful, you become cheerful. This is pretty interesting as I was reading uh, this past week on this topic. Cheerfulness keeps up a kind of, of a sunshine in the mind when you're cheerful. It's just like sunshine in the mind. And it fills us up and, and, and it really glows when you're cheerful. And when you're thankful, when you're grateful, you're cheerful. Now listen to what it says here. In Psalms 118, verse 24, it says, This is the day. Does anybody know what the date is today? I got spiritual and I got physical. That's good. What is the date of today? July the 1st. Okay. So July the 1st, this day, who made it? The Lord made it. You didn't make it. He made it. And it says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will be negative, complain, and be sad in it. None of those things. It says, this is the day the Lord has made. We will what? Rejoice. So at the end of your day, you say, Lord, I had another day. Now, some of you don't appreciate it as you're younger, but the older folks are going like, I had another day. I made it another day. I'm thankful for another day to live, to eat, to breathe, to see my family, to interact with people I love and care about, you know? And some people don't really recognize how important that is until they're threatened with losing it. But it says, this is the day the Lord has made. And we will, this is a positive statement, we will rejoice and be glad in it. See, all of a sudden you recognize God made this day. And you think, well, we always got another. You don't know that. You don't know that. But God's made this day, and you see those who love it, says, we're going to rejoice, and we're going to be glad in it. If you growl all day about everything, all you see is a hole in the donut. Well, it's rainy, it's thundering, it's lightning, it's this, it's that. You know, no wonder you go to bed dog tired. You've been growling all day. You know? Someone in Evansburg, a village west of Edmonton, took the liberty of adding to the sign on the outskirts of the town. The, si the sign now reads, Welcome to Evansburg, the thriving village with clean air, fresh water, and friendly people. Population, 600. 29 dogs, 41 cats, and one grouch. That was the part that had been added. The newspaper editor said, although all 60 people may feel incriminated, it is likely that the person who added to the sign is the only one who knows the grouch's identity. Unfortunately, in most companies of people, there is one grouch. Have you noticed that to be true? Shh, don't. 
One person who complains constantly. One person who always sees the dark side of things. In churches too, there seems to be always one grouch around. Perhaps we all should ask the question, Lord, is it I? Lord, is it I? Am I the grouch? When, when I'm in a, a group of people, am I the grouch? Am I the one who always sees the dark side? Am I the one who always brings out the negative? Is that me? Think about that. Is it you? Hmm. How would you describe yourself? Are you an optimist or a pessimist? The optimist is the glasses, what? Half full. Half full. The pessimist, the glasses, half empty. Half empty. Oh. That's half full. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Oh, it's half empty. Oh, look at that hole in my donut. I wonder who ate that hole there. So, if you think about this for a moment, how would you describe yourself? Would you describe yourself as a optimist? It's positive. Or a pessimist? To an optimist, when you look at an oyster, you expect a pearl. <laughs> When you're a pessimist and you looked at a, an oyster, you think of food poisoning. <laughs> it's just all your attitude. Your attitude is everything. Your attitude will make you healthier or unhealthy, wealthier or less wealthy. It'll take you closer to God or further away or to strengthen your relationships with the people you love or it will strain them. Your attitude that you will choose today We'll do all of that. That's just the way it is. The Bible teaches us this, you see. When a pessimist thinks he's really taking a chance, the optimist feels that he's grasping a great opportunity. This is not a risky thing. This is an opportunity, you see. A pessimist is one who feels bad when he feels good. For fear, he will feel worse when he feels better. I'll read that to you one more time. That's a tough one. A pessimist, that's the negative guy, is one who feels bad when he feels good for fear that he will feel worse when he feels better. Anyhow, don't be one of those, okay? When a pessimist smells flowers, he looks around for a funeral. <laughs> Can you see a negative here? Ouch. I'm not sure I'm going to make it through this whole message here. Oh, time is almost up. Think about this for a moment. Hmm. Are you an optimist? Are you positive? Or are you a pessimist? Two frogs fell into a can of cream, or so I've heard it told. The sides of the can were shiny and steep, and the cream was deep and cold. Oh, what's the use, number one frog said. Tis fate, no helps around. 
Goodbye, my friend. Goodbye, said world. He wept still, and then he drowned. That was not much of a winning attitude, was it? But number two frog of sterner stuff, dog paddled in surprise. The while he wiped his creamy face, and he dried his creamy eyes. I'll swim a while, at least, he said, or so it has been said. It wouldn't really help the world if one more frog was dead. An hour or two, he kicked and swam. Not once did he stop to mutter, but he kicked and swam and swam and kicked, and then he hopped out on the butter. He turned that milk into butter. Now, which one of those frogs best represents you? You go, I can do this. I can do this. I can do it a little longer. I just give up and quit. I can't do it. Or can you do it? Think about it for a moment. And you have the tools at your disposal right this moment for the next 21 days to change your negative thinking and your negative actions and your negative attitude. It's all wrapped up in that little rubber band if you want to. Now, a person with a real, real bad attitude is going to get rid of that rubber band as soon as you get out of here. I know that. I ain't gonna, I, foolishness. Huh? I don't think it is. I can tell you right now, I ain't going to have no negative thoughts for a while, you know. I might wear this more than 21 days. I might keep it on for a lot longer than that, you know. Just put it on the other arm, you know. Maybe rotate them back and forth, something like that, you know. A cheerful man will do more in the same amount of time and will do it better and will be and will persevere in it longer than a sad and a gloomy man. Did you know that? Interesting. It's just easy enough to be pleasant when life flows along like a song, but the man worthwhile is the one who will smile when everything goes dead wrong. Are you an optimist or a pessimist? Attitude determines your altitude. Is your altitude gaining in your relationship with God and in relationship with the people you love? Is your altitude gaining and you're getting healthier and getting wealthier? And it's all based on attitude. You think I'm teasing you. No, it has a lot. No, I'm telling you. Change your attitude. Change your stinking thinking. Your stinking thinking. Because your thoughts shape your attitude and your attitude determines your altitude and it will transform your life. I guarantee you. Cheerfulness removes the rust from the mind, lubricates our inward machinery, and enables us to do our work with fewer creaks and groans. Here's a verse, Colossians 3.23. It says, work hard. How many of y'all work hard? It says, work hard and cheerfully. Uh-oh, then went and ruined it, didn't I? Some people work hard and they complain about it all day long, how hard they work. It was so hot today and I was up, 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 up. But he says here, listen to what he says. He says, work hard and cheerfully. That's an attitude there. Work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord. Now the work that you do, he said, do it like you was working for the Lord. Visualize him as your boss. Visualize him who's watching what you do through the day. 
Visualize him who's going to reward you accordingly. It says, work hard and cheerfully at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. That's a good attitude. That'll change a man. That'll change a woman. And it will bring about the blessings of Almighty God upon you. Genuinely will. Uh, Alexander the Great. Y'all remember hearing about him? Did you know all of the soldiers who worked with him, who served under him, they had to shave their beards off? Did you know that? You know why? Because when they were in the battle, they didn't want to give the enemy a handhold or something to grab a hold of. For real. They were smooth-shaven when they went into the battle because they didn't want to give their enemy an advantage by allowing them to grab a hold of the beard and they got their sword and their, you know, their weapons and all there. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you maintain a bad attitude, you maintain a lot of anger or whatever, did you know you're giving the devil a hold on your life? He can control you if you allow a bad attitude to grow. He can get a hold of it and control your life. You know, the Bible tells not to let the sun go down on our anger. If you're angry with your husband, your wife, or somebody, and it says it right there in the book of Ephesians, if you allow the sun to go down on your anger, you give the devil a mighty foothold in the door. That's what it says. Let me just read it because you might not believe me. Ephesians 4.26. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives what? A foothold to the devil. Gets his foot in your door. When you go to sleep, you can be well assured his purposes are malicious to harm you. The, the Bible says in John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So anyhow, all I'm saying is a bad attitude is the same thing. Don't give the devil a foothold or a handhold on you so he can control you. Don't let a rat live in the cockpit of your airplane because he's going to gnaw through something important and make you crash. So we've got to really diligently work at getting a positive attitude, and you'll never find better reading material than this to give you a positive outlook on life. So that's as far as we're going to go tonight. I have lots of things I would like to share, but we just don't have the time. But I want to challenge you, and that's what I put on the... Uh, your weekly challenge, if you choose to agree with it, I am determined over the next three weeks to use the rubber band method to help me overcome my negative attitude. And it might just be decor for some of you guys. Never snap at once because you're never negative. That's possible. Some people are just always so positive. And if you agree with this, just check it off and say, I'm going to do this for the next three weeks. I'm going to give it a shot, you know? And I'm going to put it in the box up there. For the next three weeks, when I have a negative thought or I say a negative word or a negative action, I'm going to... Somebody show me how to do that. Yes, thank you. My arm's hurting so bad already. Because, see, I don't play. I really do it. Ah! Ooh, man. You say, well, that's just, this is foolishness. Yeah, probably is. 
but I bet you it'll help us in 21 days to where when you start to have a negative thought, you go, I ain't going there. Something will click in here, and there's a nerve that runs from here up to your brain. You go, I'm not going to have that negative thought. I'm not going to say that negative word. I'm going to be positive today, and you're going to gain some altitude. You're going to kill the rat that's in the cockpit, you know? You're not going to give the devil a handhold or a foothold into your life. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every other name, and we thank you, Father, for sending your Son, and that he came here to set us free. Lord, we're getting ready to celebrate the 4th of July, a declaration of our independence. And Lord, we are so thankful to have a free nation. But Lord... Sometimes we use our, our freedoms to do ungodly things. So we want to declare in this 4th of July holiday, we want to declare our dependence upon you. We depend upon you. We need you, Lord. And we thank you that you have set us free from the tyranny of the devil, from the evil that's in this world. You've set us free, and we totally depend upon you. Thank you for what you've done for us and for your word that you've given us that changes our lives help my brothers and sisters to think every day about the things they're grateful for and help them to remember to pop out rubber band when they have a negative thought or say a negative word now as our heads are bowed i'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer to reaffirm your faith in christ or maybe to declare him as your savior for the very first time would you pray with me Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe that Jesus died in my place. I believe he paid for my sins. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, you'll leave in a couple moments. If you prayed with me, please stop at the Connections desk and pick up a gift bag. It's got a Bible and some other little goodies in there. If you're a guest, stop by there. We've got a gift for all of our guests. One of our ways of saying thanks for coming. We hope you come back. And if you need some prayer, there'll be people around the base of this little mountain that's developing over here who would love to pray with you. And I'm telling you that God answers prayer. And thank you again, all those uh, who have given anything of your time, your energy, or your monies to make VBA happen. In a week, it's going to be taken off, and there's going to be hundreds of kids coming through here, hearing the gospel, coming to know Christ. And I just thank all of you who have served. If you've not signed up yet, it's not too late. You just let them know, hey, I'd like to serve in some area of VBA. Let them know back there. They'll get you signed up. And it starts this coming week. Most awesome, exciting mission trip you'll ever take right here in the United States. That's for sure. It'll be an absolute blessing. So please sign up. Get involved in that. And uh, with that, don't forget your rubber band. And our ushers, ushers at the door with our little notebooks. Right? Okay. God bless you. You are dismissed.
Yes, ma'am. I'm driving to Nantucket tomorrow with me and the kids. 